Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right. Welcome, guys. Looking forward to this episode today. But before we begin, we usually start out with an Apple podcast review. Today, I'm going to uh, do one a little bit different. Had a guy join our uh, Facebook community, the Journey of a Christian Dad Facebook community. And one of the questions on the survey is, we'd like to thank the person who told you about this page. So his answer was, I found it, had a nine hour drive for work and something, I believe it was God, said to look up Christian Dad on podcast. And this popped up. I've listened to 10 episodes so far and really enjoyed them. Like that was the coolest thing. Like I got, apparently got to spend nine hours with this guy while he was driving in yeah. his car and he got to hear guys like you and just, and I, I don't know what he got to listen to. So I haven't heard that yet, but he's really, really fired up to be kind of surrounded by some guys that are, that are moving in a direction. So that's why I'm super excited to talk with you uh, today. We've got on with us, Sean Tolison. Sean, major league baseball player. He had a, a role with extreme pressure. He got to be the closer for the Texas Rangers primarily, played for some other teams. And then nowadays he's on a mission as a health advisor, which I didn't know when we set up the podcast interview. And that's something that I actually want to talk about for my own self today as well. So welcome to the show, Sean. Cool. I'm fired up to have you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I appreciate you inviting me to do this. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, I always like to know kind of what your background was growing up and that way people have kind of frame of reference of where you started and you don't just go to be major league baseball closer from nowhere. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, so I'm in Texas born and raised and proud of it. And as all Texans are, I'm sure I grew up in a Christian household. So my, my mom and dad met at church, raised us in that same church, uh, our entire lives, you know, feel very, very blessed to have been led by my mom and dad to the Lord. And if anything, uh, it's really encouraged me and, and kind of showed me the importance of being a dad and being a parent in general, just how crucial of a role that is, uh, not just for your child's, you know, life on here on earth, but their, their eternal future as well. So I take the job of dad very seriously. You know, I think it's, I think it's one of the highest honors, and I think it's the most important responsibility that men are called to is is really being a father. So born and raised, played baseball my entire life, always loved it, never got tired of it, no matter how much I played. About my freshman year in high school, realized that, hey, I'm pretty good at this. And that's kind of when I really started kind of thinking beyond just high school with baseball, Uh, started playing more, traveling more got an opportunity to play on some really amazing select baseball teams back when select baseball was, you know, not as everywhere as it is today, but ended up playing on a team based out of Dallas here that ended up having six major league baseball players on it, which is almost unheard of these days. So it was a really, really cool experience. Got to go in high school and play for the junior Olympic team. So represent the country. We got to go down and play countries like 
South American countries in Mexico and Cuba. We lost, I got to do that two summers in a row and got to travel down and lost to Cuba in the championship both years. So silver medals, both years, those guys were good. Uh, as you can imagine, they were really yeah, good. Yeah. They were, they were as good as it gets. Then I went to Baylor, part of my big part of my story. You know, I became a Christian at 15 and that's really when I just dedicated my life to the Lord. And I really kind of understood exactly what I was getting myself into. And it was very soon after that, that my eyes really opened up to a young lady in my class who, who was already following the Lord. And that's my wife today. So we started dating when her dad said it's okay to start dating, which was when she turned 16. And we've been pretty much inseparable since then. And she really wanted to go to Baylor University down in Waco. And I could find no reason not to go there because they had a pretty good baseball team. So I went down there and got to pitch for Baylor. Had a really great time down there. Got drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers as a pretty late round draft pick. I was an exceptional high school pitcher and a very, very probably below mediocre college pitcher. Um, but for some reason, the Los Angeles Dodgers took a chance on me as a late round draft pick. I used the entire signing bonus that I had to buy an engagement ring. And, um, and I was off to the races in the minor leagues and uh, just kind of never looked back after that. Wow. Wow. How amazing is that to, uh, at 15, find the Lord and then shortly after find your wife. That's amazing. It's, it's pretty cool. And it was pretty clear to me very early on just how serious I was about her. And it's try, try telling your, try sitting with down with your mom and dad, uh, and having a serious heart to heart discussion with them when you're taking your official college visit visits with a full ride scholarship opportunity and you, you know, turn down, other schools that maybe your parents thought were better opportunities, you know, bigger schools. And you say, yeah, I think I just want to go to Baylor because my high school girlfriend wants to go there. So it's, you know, interesting conversations, but you know, when they, you know, when they ask me like, are you sure about this girl? And I'm like, yep, I'm sure. And they're like, okay. You know, really? They it. just, yeah. Yeah. Went with it. Well, they loved her too. There was no yeah. reason not, there was no reason not to. So. Yeah, I find that uh, sometimes parents try to steer as opposed to guide and them take the wheel. And at some point, you got to turn the wheel over to the kids. I think that's something that's happening more today than it did. I think parents are doing too much steering, right? And, you know, really, scripture doesn't tell us to steer. You know, it really, it really tells us to, to be the guides to be the lead, right. But not the, not steering. There's a big difference. So you're not standing behind your kids, driving them in a certain direction, but you're leading them there. And I think more times than not, your child's going to be more likely to follow in the right path. If you are also going in the right path. So the whole lead by example thing couldn't be more true for a dad in any area of your life. So so there's a few local guys that I know with a similar story. It sounds like yours, other than the baseball part. You know, maybe they got a professional soccer thing in there, mm -hmm. not baseball, but ne but nevertheless, became Christians at a young age, had a great upbringing, married high school sweetheart, and for a while I didn't really know any of those people. And it's just phenomenal to have people like you in my life and be able to step into that a little bit and see where they're a little bit more advanced in certain areas 
and be able to ask questions. And you mentioned lead and guide and like, Hey, help me out a little bit here. What'd this look like when you were here? And absolutely. And, and God's given us all a story. And for so many years from an outsider's view, you know, it almost looks like I had the perfect childhood. I lived in a, a nice house. My dad had a good job. I went to a good school. I met a beautiful girl at a young age. We fell in love. We got married. We've got beautiful, beautiful kids and two golden retrievers. You know, it's like that kind of, I, I live a half a mile from the house I grew up in. I'm just like that hometown kid got to play for the Texas Rangers, my hometown team. It's like, it's kind of a fairy tale story. Um, and for years and years, you know, I felt like Satan was kind of lying to me that, you know, I don't have a powerful story, right? There's no, there was no abuse in my home. There was no rough upbringing. There was no, uh, you know, I, I didn't have to get over uh, drug use or out, you know, being an alcoholic or, or anything like that. And it was such a lie because my story is a huge testimony to the faithfulness of the Lord. And it's, it just shows like this, this is an example of God's intentions and the fruits that can come from that. God's really used that story to impact people. Just like you said, I, I was on recently, I was on a, a guy's retreat with some guys from my church. You know, one of the, one of the guys that, that goes to my church, he did not grow up in a, in a home like I did. And we had lots of, we've got kids all the same age and we had a lot of conversations, just like what you're talking about. Like, what did it look like in your home? You know, X, Y, Z, be able to have that conversation and share with that is, is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the way you said it. And that's exactly when I run into people that have had that experience. I'm like, I love the joy that just radiates from them. And it tends to trickle down throughout their whole family. As you know, our kids yeah. see us and emulate us. And absolutely want to be like us so i just love being around people that have that that are just full of joy and it tickles me when people say hey you're one of those guys for me that radiates joy and i aspire to be one one thing that we're never promised uh from god is an easy life or a life that's absent from adversity and you know like i'll be honest i mean my life kind of was absent from adversity for a really long time and then it hit me you know and then it hit me, uh, just like it may have hit other people before me, but you kind of have to be ready for it. I don't know that I was ready for it, but it's those times where you're like, okay, this faith that I've been saying I've had, I had since I was 15 years old, do I really have it? And it was really those times. And, you know, my spiritual maturity has grown exponentially in the last five years than it did the previous 15 years. Wow. And, and that's because of the adversity. And, you know, the Bible says that God uses these, these trials and tribulations to refine us. And I can say with absolute certainty that he has, and he's, he's used it and it hasn't been easy. You know, in 2015, I was pitching for the Rangers. I was the closer and I was having a kind of a breakout season. You know, I had a, I had had a successful season kind of under the radar the year before with the Rangers, but in 2015 got to fill into the closers role and was closing out games at a pretty high rate and high success rate and kind of that invincible kind of feeling, you know, where you just go out there and it, things are just happening for you. And it was at the end of that season, last game of the season that my parents wanted to have all the, you know, my, I've got an older brother and older sister. They called us over to the house, you know, wanted to talk. And my dad kind of shared the news that he had been diagnosed with two forms of stage four cancer. Oh my. And so he was given, you know, given six months to live. 
And that kind of shook me. I mean, not kind of shook me. That really shook me. My dad was, you know, as you can probably hear just from the first part of my story, my dad was a very integral part of my life. He was a mentor type figure for me. And so that news, I mean, it hit me hard. And we went into playoffs right after that. We had clinched the NL West. But looking back, I actually never pitched successfully again after that. Like my entire career really never pitched good again. And I, you know, I acted strong, right? But I, I was hurting. It was kind of through that experience with my dad and then through my own kind of experience through injuries you know, once that news hit me with my dad, you know, I think my stress levels just kind of skyrocketed and my health, despite my efforts, you know, my dad instilled it in me work ethic at a very young age. I mean, really young age. My dad was an extremely hard worker and he valued hard work. He always told me, I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care if you dig ditches. I don't know why that's always what he said, but I don't care if you dig ditches. I want you to be the best. And I want you to always give everything you have, right? As if you're working for the Lord and not for men. I always had a great work ethic and, and all through professional baseball, I think that's kind of, you know, it wasn't always my talent that carried me where I was, but it was definitely my, my work ethic. But as I continued to work harder and harder and harder and harder, and when this news hit me, I think I started working even harder and harder and harder, almost like as a stress reliever. And without a doubt, I overworked. And that's kind of a new concept in the health community and world, and especially in the athletic circles is really overworking, right? You're overexerting yourself. And because of that, as a result, my health kind of spiraled out of control. I mean, I started putting on very unhealthy weight despite two or three hour personal training sessions and eating organic green smoothies all day long. Like it just, the weight just kind of piled on and it just happened. This happened over the course of about two years and my body started hurting. I could barely roll out of bed. You know, I seriously felt like a piece of plywood just getting out of bed every day. You know, I'd stand up without a shirt on and couldn't see my toes. Like that's how bad it was getting. I was about... I was pushing close to 250 pounds and, you know, just for some perspective, I'm about 190 pounds today. And this, I mean, it took a toll on my baseball career uh, as well, but this was my wake up call, you know, and I think a lot of us in our life, especially with our health, at some point you've received some kind of wake up call and maybe you haven't yet. And you will at some point, this was my wake up call. It was kind of my dad my dad was dying and, and I wanted to do anything I could to save him, right? Give him a fighting chance. My baseball career was definitely dying right in front of my eyes. And, and I wanted to do anything I could to kind of salvage that. So I started kind of thinking outside the box with my health. You know, the, the concept, maybe, maybe harder is not better. Maybe more is not better. And I started just focusing more of my time and energy on things like stress management and sleep and recovery and nutrition and supplementation. And it's pretty amazing. I I went and sought out some advice from some functional medicine doctors around the country and got some testing done and, you know, kind of did a deep dive on my genetics. And a lot of things were pinpointing why this was happening, you know, why my body responds to stress like this. And, And I was able to fix it. That kind of stirred my affections towards optimized health and helping others do the same thing because I couldn't have been the only person who was struggling, right? I could not have been. And, and I know that in our, our country's in a pandemic, a health pandemic, really. And there's a lot of people who were going through exactly what I was going through. I did a lot of research for my dad as well. And he took to it, you know, I, I was like, Hey, 
you should eat like this. You should do this. You should do this therapy. And, and he did it. He ended up living for about four and a half years after his diagnosis. And that was such a blessing from God because he was able to see in that four and a half years, gosh, I bet he saw seven, six or seven more grandkids get born. And I mean, like what a, that was, you know, that's what he lived for with those grandkids. Uh, he ended up passing away September, 2019. And really when he passed away, that's when my mind shifted. And I said, how can I do this for other people? You know, I retired, officially retired from baseball at that point and hung it up and decided I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this. I want to help other people get healthy. And so in January, 2020, right after that, I launched Tallison Health Advisors and, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Wow. There's so much there. Yeah. I think I talked for like 20 minutes. <laughs> No, that was, that was great. I didn't want to interrupt. I didn't want to interrupt. There's 250 pounds for an athlete or 250 pounds for an athlete, 60 pounds over your current weight. Like unbelievable to think that it would go that far in the wrong direction and seeing you now, most people aren't on YouTube watching this, but <laughs> seeing him now, he looks like the, the guy that you don't want to go compete with athletically right now. So <laughs> he looks like he's ready to go the death of your father, you know, and that's just a couple of years ago, you know, a year and a half ago now, yeah. the grandkids being able to, Hey kids, do you, Hey, you know, Hey kids, do you remember grandpa? Mm -hmm. Some of them would have, you know, had he died in a shorter time frame, answer that question. No. So He's, uh, yeah. And, and my dad was so intentional with his time when he, so he was a veterinarian, but when he, when he was diagnosed, you know, he practiced for a little bit longer and then realized, you know, if I only have a little bit of time left, like, how do I want to spend that? So he retired from doing that and was really lived life on a mission <laughs> during his whole cancer diagnosis. He, you know, he did things that didn't make sense. And I think as Christians, as fathers, as most of your listeners are, if we want to have an impact, if we want to have a gospel impact on our community, we have to do things that just don't make sense to the rest of the world. My dad was really good about doing that. We have to, so, you know, just like a little example, my dad decided when he retired that he was going to start every day, start visiting people in the hospital and writing them cards, handwritten cards. And if you, if you knew my dad at all before, before his diagnosis, he's, he's not the guy to write handwritten cards. You know, he's kind of rough, tough guy, but he's writing handwritten cards and he's visiting people in the hospital and he'd walk into someone's room after they had a you know, maybe they had a appendectomy or some kind of day surgery. And my dad would walk in and check on them and they'd be like, what are you doing visiting me right now? I should be visiting you right now. He's like, no, no, I'm good. You know, kind of the power of positive thinking. So that's what he did. And when he, in his last couple of years living, he had a book made that was like a book of his life, which was really cool. And even my one-year-old daughter, like who never got a chance to meet him, but We've got it on a low bookshelf in our house and she crawls over there and every day she crawls over there, she grabs this book off the shelf and she starts just like flipping through the pages and pointing to the pictures. And, uh, and it's just amazing. Like the things that like a how simple book can do last year for Christmas, my mom was you know, over at our house. And so she's, we're doing Christmas presents as a big family and, we open up our presents, me and my brother and my sister, and it's like this leather bound book that she had put together. And they were letters that he had written to each of us during his chemotherapy treatments. So instead of just 
sitting there and reading a book or, you know, nowadays what people would probably do is just sit around on their phone or iPad or watch a movie like most people were doing. He sat there every chemotherapy treatment for four and a half years and wrote letters to me and my brother and my sister. And uh, so to be able to just grab that off the shelf and open, open it up, sorry, I'm getting emotional. It's pretty cool. Oh man. Can, yeah. Feel free. Continue. We just had Todd Stottlemyre on and he was talking about his dad as well. And his dad passed recently also about the same time frame. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I, I listened to that when you sent it to me. So. Oh, thank you for listening to that. Yeah. 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 Hopefully that maybe did something for you. <laughs> not, not knowing yeah. that this was going to be something we talked about, which I'm glad yeah. we are because father's day is coming up. So this will get released right around. Father's it is, day, it is so. coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Very so. Cool. The rest of the world may not remember Father's Day, but you and I just did. So <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> there you go. Oh, man. So, yeah, I love the fact that we're honoring your father at this time and and learning some wisdom from him and what he did intentionally. So the handwritten notes, intentionally caring for others that were kind of down and out, even though he was in that spot himself. There's a guy earlier today I was going back and forth with. He runs a really large company and one of the questions he asks himself every day, uh, he sets an alarm at 6.20 in the morning and feeds him these three questions. And the first question he asks himself is, what will you do today that will impact the most important people in my life? Hmm. What will I do today to impact the most important people in my life today? And I can see your dad asking himself that question every day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think dads in general, and, and I'm I'm talking about really like the the young dad of today. Uh, and I'm one of them and I'm trying really hard not to be one of them. But I think there's a lack of, like, maybe intentionality is the right word. Dads are expected to show up. If you're a good dad, you show up. And I think that's a good step one. But if all you're doing is showing up, you're missing the most important part. It's about these conversations that you have with your kids, you know, showing up is good. But what I see so much are these go with the flow, pushover dads that just kind of do what they're told. I I love my wife. And I think women are the most important part of the household. But the Bible tells us as men that we should lead our families. We need to lead our household. So what, what the heck does that mean? We need to be an important part of these decisions that are being made for our family. We don't need to just do what we're told, right? We need to seek out God so that we can make the best decision for our family to make sure that it's within God's will for our family. We need to lead our wife as well. She doesn't need to be leading you with our kids. Like you need to be steering conversations of faith with your kids at a very young age. And I think so many dads are just missing that. I think sometimes we get so burnt out on going, going, going and the busyness of balancing work and life and family and marriage that it's easy sometimes to just check the calendar and see where you need to be and just be there and show up. But if we, that's all we do, we're missing it. Yeah. So you're 33, six-year-old boy, four-year-old boy, one-year-old daughter Mm -hmm. who loves the book on the low shelf. Yeah, that's right. And you said uh, you you included yourself in the group of younger dads that aren't as intentional as they should be. Yeah, I, I did. And um, because it's easy to be, my wife is organized and I'm not. 
Okay. And I used for years, I used that as an excuse. Like, I'm just not an organized person. Like I'll just kind of let her plan, plan life. And, you know, God's put some really, really wise men in my life uh, since my dad passed away. And that's one of the things that they're speaking into me is, is no, like you need to lead your family. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Modern Family. You ever seen it? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. All right. So love the show, by the way, like I crack up. I still like to watch reruns of it, but like Phil Dunphy, he's like everybody's favorite character. Right. And if you don't think about it, he seems like a great dad, but as a Christian man, you got to really ask yourself, like, is he a great dad? He's there. He shows up. He's buddy, buddy. He's a pal. Uh, He likes to have fun, but he's not a great dad. He's not a great dad. He doesn't have any difficult conversations with his kids. He doesn't discipline his kids. He does what he's told from his wife and he goes where he's supposed to go and he shows up when he's supposed to show up, period. That's it. I want nothing more to be best buddies with my kids, right? But that you can't just be buddies with your kids. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a struggle that I've had. They're daughters. They're cute. <laughs> I'm struggling <laughs> with that now too. I know. That is, a, that is a challenge. And sometimes my wife is quick to discipline. Mm-hmm. Or I give them a little bit more rope. You know, a lot of times dads will give them a little bit more rope, but uh, my wife said, why don't you discipline? I'm like, I don't get too many opportunities. I'm like, let's. And so from time to time I'll recalibrate and say, Hey, why don't you let me take the lead on this one? And if, you know, I'm not doing it, let me know. Yeah. Let me know. Like, I know you want to jump in and you want to mm-hmm. get all over them, but give, give me a chance. I'm like, yeah. I'm, uh, it's not that I'm not willing, but you're at the five second mark and jumping in and I'm more at the minute and 20 second mark or 10 minute mark. <laughs> no, uh, it's a, it's a valid point. I'm starting to notice just how different I am with her than I am with my two boys. So my, I never got spanked as a kid, but my dad would thump me <laughs> like, like he would just like thump me on my arm or my ear or my head. And it was like this powerful, like you know, from another world thump. And it was the worst thing in the world. Like for whatever reason, it didn't even really hurt. I just, something about that. And I don't know why, I guess we, we grew up to be like our parents a lot of times, but so when my kids, when I was disciplining my kids and trying to like rear them up to know right from wrong. And, you know, I would do this and I would just like give like the lightest little flick on their ear. And it would just, it would just end their world. You know, it was just like the worst thing ever. And even to this day, like if, if my six-year-old or four-year-old like step out of line or talk back to their mom, like there's really no hesitation from me. It's just, it just happens and they know it. And then they, they understand, they understand it. Right. But now (laughs) as my daughter starts to like, if I try to teach her right from wrong, like it was just, I think it was, it was this morning. It was this morning. She's trying to open the under the sink cabinets and she's like grabbing the dishwasher detergent little pods and i'm like telling her i'm like no no and and my wife is like how many times are you going to tell her no before you flick her ear I'm like oh i can't flick her ear i just can't do it <laughs> yeah she's too gentle for me to to I do know, that too i know oh that's great yeah i was saying the next thing that'll happen is the tupperware game where she'll open the cabinet and just yeah, take it tupperware out everywhere that's already happened it seems like we just let that go every time we're cool we're cool with, we're cool with that <laughs> Can't kill her. Yeah, she there's can't not kill too herself, much you can do about so. that game other than lock those cabinets up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. 
So have you had the conversation with your kids yet about how they're not as important as mom? We've had conversations that are, you know, no, the sentence wasn't put just like that, but we've had conversations on who do you love the most? <laughs> <laughs> and, and my boys know, they, they know it, they know the answer to that. And so it's kind of weird to think about, but it's, that's also a rare, a rare thing these days is for parents to put their marriage above their kids. And almost, it almost sounds wrong even coming off my lips in today's day and age, but, but that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had a spot. I don't know. My kids may have been, may have been your, your older boys age six and four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had not really a heart to heart. Well, I guess it really was. It was, it was a pretty matter of fact, authoritative conversation. Hey girls, I just want you to know, I love you so, so much. And you may think that you're more important than mom and I love you more than mom. And that's just not true. Yeah. <laughs> Me oh. and mom are a team. And no matter what you do, you're not breaking us. No, no matter yeah. what you do, me and mom are together and we're, we're hundred percent going yes. the same direction. Mm-hmm. Whatever she says goes. And my, then my wife chimes in and whatever he says goes. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And they, no, 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 no. That's not good. We don't like that. <laughs> we understand, but just so you know, the rules. I love it. And they, they look this confused look of, well, how do we, how do we change this? How do we affect the yeah. dynamic? How do we become the most important again? And they were just dumbfounded that that, you know, just happened. It's an important conversation to have. It put, is. It is. Put that on my list of things to do. And if you've got that domineering one, I don't know which of your three might turn into that one, or if you already know which one that is, but oh, that's my daughter for sure. Already know that. Yep. Yeah. My youngest man, she thinks she's the boss. <laughs> and matter one, one time she went so far as to say, I want to be a mom. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, it's a great thing to want to be someday. She says, how can I make that happen? I said, why, why do you want to be a mom so bad? Cause I want to be the boss. <laughs> I love it. And I want to be able to tell everybody what to do. Uh-huh. So did you go explain to her how to be a mom? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. At five another, years old, another, no, I didn't. Okay. You know, wait a few years on that then. Okay. <laughs> wait a few years. Yeah. We'll gotcha. wait a few years on gotcha. that. But yeah, that, that was her reasoning. It wasn't to have kids and love <laughs> and cuddle and all that. It was, she wanted to be able to tell everybody what to do. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so yes, yes. Uh, keep, keep them in their place is a big thing. So yeah. you mentioned you kind of had the blessed life going through, uh, your schedule was, you know, being a athlete high school and everything, your schedule is kind of given to you, you know, what time to go to class, yeah. being an athlete, they tell you what time workout is where it's going to be for the most part, you get into professional baseball. It's absolutely dictated where, when, how, mm-hmm. and kind of surrounded by the people you're going to be surrounded with also, cause you're traveling and with the team. So when you said you didn't lead the most disciplined life, calendar wasn't necessarily the thing because you never had to develop that skill no. in large part because it was given to you. Uh, me, I was a military guy. Uh-huh. So I'm like, Hey, this is wonderful. I don't yeah. have to pay attention to anything. I just have to show up yeah. and then do whatever it is they tell me to do, no matter how difficult it is. But I didn't have to organize plan lead. Eh, I did have to lead the squad, but that was a different, different thing you know, the exact orders were given to me as to what to accomplish. So that, that part was easy. No, I totally relate to that. It's really from high school on, 
I just had people doing things for me, you know, even, you know, even most college kids are like having to make their schedules and, you know, enroll in classes. Like I had somebody that just did it for me, made my schedule, enrolled me in the classes, got my books, delivered them to my front porch. Like, and (laughs) that's how I turned into a very undisciplined guy is as just so used to being just showing up where I was told to show up. I was, I was reading a book. There's a book book I'm reading and I was reading it last night before bed. And it said, you should live your life by design and not by default. And when yes. I read, when I read that, I was just like, gotcha. That was me. Like that was me. I was living by default meaning that I was, I was going with the flow. I was doing what I should have been done. There was no planning or intentionality or goal setting or discipline or routine or anything. I was living day by day. You know, it's probably been six months ago or so, but made a decision not to be like that. You know, I'm going to live my life by design. So I'm going to, I've got a morning routine. I think a morning routine is just so important for a man. It's so key for a man. If you look at this most successful, I'm not talking about the best people in the world not talking about the best Christians in the world. I'm, I'm just talking about most successful people in the world. They all have a morning routine. All of them. Like there's this, there was a research study done. They all do. There's some common things in their morning routines too. So I've, I've developed kind of a morning routine for myself that kind of meshes together my health and my faith and my productivity. And it's just kind of all of a, a mesh together of that. So it's good. I'm, I'm trying to, you may have heard this. I think I said this on a, a similar podcast, but I'm trying to instill in my boys morning routines too. Very challenging, very challenging. And school's about to be over. So we're going to go into summer. So it may be, a, may be a better time to kind of start something like that. But but yeah, we're working on it. And, you know, I've, I've kind of created this morning routine for them that they can go through. And it consists of things like breathing, which is one of the most underestimated things that we forget to do. We don't breathe right. So I have them take these deep breaths in the morning. I have them pray every morning. I have them like a gratitude practice. So every morning they're writing down something that they're thankful for. And then they write down the name of somebody that they're going to encourage that day uh, and how they're going to encourage them. They write down the name of someone that they're going to serve that day and how they're going to be helpful to that person. And then I think the, I think after all that, I think it concludes with uh, chores. So that they've got a chore to do and they can just knock it out in the morning, just get, get it done. So that's their productivity. They knock out their chore, then they knock out exercise, which, you know, I, I trust me, I don't have a six and four year old and they're lifting weights, but um, you know, I encourage them to go outside and you know, shoot, shoot a couple baskets or nothing crazy. It's not me putting, it's just moving their bodies. And, and yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Oh, and then we do reading. So reading is kind of the last thing we sit down and I've got, I've got a couple little one page devote kid devotional books and we'll, they're not, they're not great readers. So I read that page with them, but, and it doesn't, you know, it's my intention to do it every day. It probably doesn't even have happen half the days at this point, but, but I'm trying. Yeah, absolutely. That reminds me, I had my kids going on a morning routine and it's changed up a little bit, but yeah, I was at a gratitude uh, journal forum and it had different exercises in it, similar ones to what you're talking about. 
And I used to pay them a quarter every time they completed a page. Oh, they're super motivated by that for a yeah. short while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they counted the pages like, I'll get 20 bucks if I do this. I'm like, yeah, you sure will. And it'll take you 40 days or whatever it was. I'm like, oh, that'll be great. That's and funny. I did about eight days. That's awesome. And then I started having to remind them. And I'm like, I'm not reminding them anymore. This is on yeah. them. I'll, yeah, no. I'll remind them that they didn't get the 20 bucks soon. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, that's, yeah. I, one thing I have learned about my six-year-old is he is not motivated by money at all, which, you know, later on in life, I think might suit him really well, but he, he could just care less about money. He just, I mean, even if you're like, Hey, you know, I'll give you two bucks. If you clean my golf clubs, he's like, yeah, I'll clean them, but you can keep your money. Like he just doesn't, doesn't have it. And he's got this girl in his kindergarten class that he likes and he wanted to buy her a present. And I was like, all right, well, let's go see how much money you have. And I think he had like, this is all the money he saved up from his entire life. He had like 13 bucks. So we, we found something that he wanted to get her. It was like 15 bucks. And I was like, buddy, I was like, if you get this for her, like, you're going to spend everything that you've ever had. He's like, it's, it's fine. He just, <laughs> just doesn't no concept just doesn't, doesn't care about it. But, um, another piece to that morning routine too, is also taking time in the evening to kind of reflect on your day, because I think God, God is always moving. We move through life so busy trying to cross off all of our to-dos for the day and get our kids where they need to go that we sometimes we don't remember, like we, we might notice it and then we don't ever reflect on it. And so one of the questions that I, that I have them think about, well, number one, what was the best part of your day? Number two, where did you see God today? And at their age, their answers are usually, by the way, this is the same morning routine I take myself through. So um, but at, at their age, it's, it's usually things like, you know, the rain, the sun, the bird outside, you know, it's little things for me, it's usually in conversations. And, and if I don't sit there and actually reflect on it, sometimes I miss it. You know, I miss what God's trying to do. God's God could be asking me to say something, to do something, to have another conversation with someone. And if I don't sit back and reflect on it before I go to bed, sometimes I miss it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The nighttime reflection. So the nighttime can be the absolute destruction of people. So seems like when you find out about a professional athlete that did something goofy and is in the newspaper and maybe getting suspended or going to jail or something, when did it happen? Nighttime. Yeah. Nighttime. So yeah, we gotta, gotta defend ourselves at night. The other day, Todd Stoudemire, we we're talking, he's like, man, I got to throw the armor of God on as soon as this podcast recording's over. Cause I know the devil's going to come at me and attack me. And at nighttime, that's a time where he can come at us also because we, you know, we've been run down all day. We, we aren't refreshed. We aren't at our best. He, you know, comes in in the concealment of darkness. And mm -hmm. if we take that time to pause, reflect, pray, that's Absolutely. a heck of a way to defend against the devil and uh, allowing those thoughts to come into our lives or those actions then to follow through from the thoughts. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I, my problem is when I played, there's a lot of downtime. When you're a professional baseball player, you waste so much time. There's just so much, so much time in the mornings before games, so much time in the clubhouse, like while you're waiting for the game to start, so much time when you get back to the hotel after a game. And that's, you know, if I had two regrets from playing, it wasn't ever anything that I did on the field. My number one regret is probably 
not having more conversations with guys who did not know the Lord. That's my number one regret. My number two regret is wasting so much darn time. Just wasting time. Wasting time sleeping too much. Wasting time watching TV in a hotel room too much. Wasting time shopping on my iPad too much. When I had so much time, like right now, I feel like I don't have any time, you know? I really don't feel like I have time. And and I'm still finding more time for the Lord than I did back then. But just, you know, I, I think back and I try not to be regretful, but it's hard not to look back and think, if I had used that time, where like where would I like where would I be in my spiritual walk today if I had used that time over that over eight years of playing professional baseball? I, I wasted I wasted time for eight years. Lots of time. I mean, we're talking, I mean, I probably wasted four or five hours a day for eight years straight. And it's like, oh, like, where would I be today? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I, I had a similar period of my life where I managed a retail sales force for electronics and furniture and you know, I, I ran a large retail store when those things existed. <laughs> and all I focused on was sales and sales development. And then, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the 12 hour shift or whatever, I was done. Mm-hmm. My wife's like, hey, you're so quiet when you come home. Like, yeah, I did all my talking already. I'm done. And there was no faith development there. We had struggles having kids. There really wasn't. And then once we realized we were having real troubles, having kids, that's when our lives really started to change. You know, when I realized that we wanted kids and all that type of thing, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've wasted eight to 10 years. You know, I call it, I call it the wasted 10 years. Yeah. I learned how to talk to people and sell things in a high level way. Yes. Outside of that, that was the only real skill I developed. Right. But although it serves me well now working with podcasts and community and things. So that it, it served me well now, but yeah. man, what could I have done if I'd have been intentional with that time? So yeah, I, I hear you. That, yeah. that one's a, I'm sure, that one's I'm a, sure a lot of people can relate to that. So, so on your, your health side of, of your life, the, yeah. you're being a health advisor, very interested You've been fantastic about sending me some texts with some helpful tips and everything. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got kind of a 12-week plan, I noticed, which I also kind of live my life by a 12-week plan, kind of measuring posts in 12 weeks. This is where I want to be in just a couple of key areas. So not 20 Mm -hmm. key areas, but usually three areas is what I focus on. There's other things that I'm doing and other things I'm going towards, but I'm only measuring a few that way. I don't go 12 weeks and go, huh, wonder what happened there. I didn't really yeah. move the needle. I didn't. So it's interesting on the, the health side. I saw 12 weeks. I'm like, Hey, this is mm-hmm. syncing up with already how I do things. There's a lot of magic in the number seven and the number 12. And, and I don't mean magic, but they're very, you know, seven, 12, 40, very biblical numbers. So I try to use these numbers as often as I can. So Yes. So I'm a health advisor. Most people are like, I've never heard of a health advisor. And that's probably because I kind of just coined the term myself. The reason is, and you know, people ask me, is that the same as a health coach? Yeah, kind of it is in the way, in a way, but I wanted people to kind of think about their health in a different way. Like if you've ever used a financial advisor, Mm -hmm. you outsourced your money to someone who you thought could do a better job of managing it because your money is that important to you. Right. And so the question I ask people is, is, you know, is your health any different, right? What if you could outsource your health to someone else 
who could manage it for you. You're still responsible for it. It's just like your money. You're still mm-hmm. responsible for it. If you want to pull all that money out and go buy a boat, go do it. There's nobody stopping you. So you're still responsible for it. But what if you could outsource it to somebody who's constantly monitoring it, holding you accountable to it and helping it grow? And that's the exact same thing that I do with my clients with Tolleson Health. Uh, you mentioned a 12-week program. It's been really, really great. We're wrapping the 12-week program up. It's been, it's been a lot of work. It's been successful for people, but we're no longer taking any 12-week clients at this time. I've got a 12-month program, which is awesome. So this is where I call it the optimized program because in 12 months, me and you are best friends. Like we, that's a lot of engagement over an entire yes. year. More than half the people I talk to about a 12-month program decide that they are not interested after I tell them it's a year commitment because nobody wants to commit to a year of anything, especially with your health. We live in such like a Netflix world where we want to go month to month, no contract pays you go. And it doesn't work right to, to really establish an entirely new lifestyle with new habits that don't seem hard where you don't have this decision fatigue, or you feel like you're missing out on life because you're not eating something for me to like help you walk to that point, it takes a year. Um, I've walked, I think last year, I think I took 16 people through the, through the full year and I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if, you know, that was was kind of my first year doing the year program. And I didn't know if, okay, that's the end of the year, sayonara, or what was going to happen. And 14 of those people asked if they could sign on for another year. So uh, I, then I developed a, a second year of the program and built out a whole timeline for a second year. So just kind of continually going with that. And I've had, I'm up to 20, 20 clients now in this, in this year program, which is the ceiling that I had drawn for myself. And I just, Uh-oh. <laughs> this could not be, I mean, but none of this could have happened without God, like none of it. And, and, and it's been so, you know, affirming for me, just knowing that I'm doing exactly what God's called me to do right now. And I've met some of the most incredible men and women that I've ever met in my entire life doing this, but I've created, but I've, I've got, I've hit the ceiling now. And so now the question is, you know, we've, we've started a waiting list for this and, you know, I want to have as big of an impact on people's health as I can. So how do I do that? So I'm in the process currently of building out a 40 week, uh, system that's going to allow people to number one, it's going to be much more affordable. So people can, there's not this one-on-one engagement with me, but it's more delivered as, as you go, go through it as you go. So that's something I'm currently working on that I'm super excited about. Another thing that we have coming up in July for the first time ever, we're going to be doing group coaching. So groups of seven, I told you, I like these seven, 12, 40 weeks. So We're going to be doing groups of seven where we do a once monthly live call, just where I go over a certain topic, a couple of notes that I'll share with you. And then it's like, open it up question and answer. Like, let me help you set some goals this month. And this is ongoing. So it's not, it's not three months. It's not six months. It's not a year. This just, just, just go, go, go. When you want to, when you want to hop out, hop out. No, no problem. But the idea is that accountability is just such a lost art. And if we can create these groups of seven and you're getting to engage with me, I'm getting to help walk you through your health, answer your questions, guide you to better sleep, supplementation, testing, exercise recommendations, you name it. And 
But then we create this group of people who really deeply know what each other are going through and they know how to encourage each other. And we have messaging set up so that they can encourage each other and ask questions. And I can answer these questions in a group setting. It's like a built-in accountability. One of the problems with people's health is no one wants, nobody wants to keep anyone accountable to their health. But if we can find a group of seven people that want to do that, then power to you. I'm excited about that because I've talked to so many people that I want to help who just can't afford the year program. And this is kind of a way to, this is a way for them to get plugged in and involved. So I'm very excited about that. And then the last thing is a fasting community. So fasting is another lost art. And it's another thing from scripture that we read about. Yes. We read about it all the time when we're reading scripture and then we don't ever ask anything about it. We just read over it and we're like, all right, well, that was interesting. I guess that doesn't pertain to us anymore because we live in 2021 and we have 24 seven access to food and three grocery stores down the street and a 7-Eleven. And it's just like, you know, we weren't created as a species to have this kind of access to food. Fasting is something that we are supposed to be doing and not just from a spiritual perspective, like I'm talking from a health perspective, the number one way to lose weight, to burn fat, to reset your metabolism, to balance your hormones, to increase your energy levels, to get rid of damaged cells, to prevent disease. Like it sounds like a coverall, but I'm, I'm not making this up. It's fasting. And there's so many different ways to fast. And that doesn't I'll, I'll jump in for a quick second yeah. there and interject. Yeah. It was it was funny that you brought fasting back up in my life. I had been doing it. Uh-huh. I don't know what exactly changed it, workout routine, schedule, something changed how I was doing that. And I got on the scale, hadn't been on the scale for a while. I'm like, I'm up six pounds. What changed? And I started doing an audit of the different foods and things I was putting in my body and the exercise I was doing. Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess I, st- I I don't run as much as I used to, and I'm now more doing other body weight exercises and you know mm-hmm. other ex- other weightlifting exercises and things. So yeah. I'm like, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm putting muscle on. And then kept thinking about it, and I'm like, that seems like my physical activity is still pretty high. The food's still pretty much the same. Like, what the heck is going on? And why can't I shed some weight? And I'm like, and then you're you came through, and I started getting fasting information. I'm like. That's what changed. That's what made the difference. That that was incredibly effective for me when I was doing it. And so anyway, feel free and continue. It's, but yes, no. I endorse what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's incredibly effective for everybody. It's not, this isn't something that, you know, like when I work with my my 12-month clients, I I take them through and I like do run genetic reports on them and we analyze their genetics and look for these different things to help kind of point the compass in the right direction to like get them to optimize health with fasting. It's not like that. It's kind of like, all right, everybody should be doing this. Um, and there's lots of different ways to fast. Fasting does not mean suffering (laughs) there. You know, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to even be hungry to fast. And there's so many different methods and I've tried just about all of them. And I've created this fasting regimen for myself. And I just want to share that with people because it's making a real impact. Like I'm getting un, you know, kind of like the first thing you read on this podcast, like you get good feedback from somebody mm-hmm. that you had, a, you had an impact on someone's life because of what you do. And, and I'm starting to get these messages through the fasting community of people reaching out and being like, and I haven't even been doing this that long, but uh, people reaching out and being like, wow, like this is making a difference in my life. 
And that's, that's why I'm doing it. It's completely free. I don't, I'm not charging. I don't charge anything to be a part of this community. Um, you just join and just start doing it and, um, and just keep doing it. And you will notice a difference. You will notice a difference. So to, to join that, by the way, I'll yeah, just yeah, mention, say, I'll that's just, my next question. Is how, how do they join? And we'll also yeah. put it in the show notes also. Yeah. All you do is text fast, just text fast to seven, seven, five, one, three. So just pull out your phone, text fast to the number seven, seven, five, one, three, and that's it. All of my fasting recommendations, videos, uh, PDFs, everything is going to be delivered through text message to you straight to your phone. Um, so there's no app you need to download. There's nothing like that. It's just going to come through text. People actually read their text messages over emails or app messaging or anything like this. So it's been successful for that reason. And that's it. Just follow the recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been a really cool thing. So I'm glad that I opted in yeah. on that and I appreciate you setting up that whole program. Cause it's been, been really a, a good experience and we'll get fun. Back and, and I've had a lot of flip the switch for people who watch golf at all or follow that. I mean, Phil Mickelson in his interview, you know, he, people ask him like, wow, this is incredible. You know, you're 50 years old. What are you doing to be in the best shape of your life? He didn't mention paleo keto, vegan, you know, all he said is I'm fasting every week. That's it. He said every week I fast for 36 hours. That's all. That's all. And that right there, I mean, that opened up a lot of people's eyes and ears to the world of fasting and just the difference it can make. I've got a client that signed up this week for my 12 month program and super, super excited to get him started and work with him, but he's lost about a hundred pounds in the last, let's see, since January. So, oh my six, goodness, was that five months? Five he months. Lost a hundred yeah. pounds in five months. And when I asked him what he did, he said, "I've been fasting." And I said, "You've been doing anything else?" "No, not really." "You've been exercising?" "Nope." "You've been eating different foods?" "No, sir. I work. I, I own a set of fast food chains." <laughs> I said, so just fasting, huh? Yep, just fasting. Wow. And I mean, that right there, I mean, I'm like, and here he's coming to work with me. He's lost 100 pounds in five months and he wants to, to work with me. I mean, I almost feel, I feel very humbled, you know, because he he's ready now to take this to the next level and, and really start to optimize his daily habits and routines. You can't go your whole life and just fast and not exercise. And he realizes that. There's a lot of things that, that he needs to do, but a, a great step one is this fasting. It's a great step one. And I like to put some roadblocks in front of people that I work with before I start working with them. Mm -hmm. So they either do them or they don't. If they don't, then I knew that they weren't really serious about what they said they wanted to accomplish. Yeah. But when they get through those, they're like, wow, you're a great coach. I'm like, no, you were motivated. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the story of what I do. It's exactly what I do. Everyone, you've got to, you've got to be ready. Yes. You've got to be ready. The, the people who have had that wake up call in their life usually are the most successful in my programs. What um, was that book you mentioned you were reading last night? You didn't say the book, what it was, but uh, I, re book, I recognize that. The book is called Do Life Differently. Okay. Yeah. It's called Do who, Life who Differently. Who wrote that one? Uh, Jeff Reader. I'd have to look it up. Do, do life differently by Jeff. That works good. I think it's I'll Jeff Reader. It. I think it's Jeff Reader. Okay. 
Got it. There's a, a company, uh, Keller Williams, a real estate company, mm-hmm. and that's one of their laws for their company. They call it a bold law. And I'm like, holy cow. What's the law? What that sentence that you said? Oh, earlier, do life differently. Do like uh, it, live, live bold. Like be intentional. Gotcha. Live yeah. bold. I'm like, it, pretty much direct word for word, right out of their, right out of their kind of list of laws for life. Yeah. And it, they've got kind of a neat, neat mindset around things, and kind of that same God family business, God wife kids. Yep. So kind of, kind of a That's neat awesome. way to do it. Have you got any tips for anybody or, or ways to connect uh, with you and yes. the health advising side? For sure. Easiest thing to do is to go to my website. It's just tallestinhealth.com. There you can kind of see the programs and see kind of what we've got going on. There's also a button you can click on my website to schedule a free, no strings attached, 15-minute call with me. This is another way that I just try to open up my schedule to connect with people. So that's called the free strategy session. So just 15 minutes and I hopefully can leave you with something valuable that impacts your life. Outside of that, I mean, on that same schedule, I'm a big guy with supplements. So I love to use supplementation in a very smart way. The reason is, is that we live in a world that demands supplementation for our bodies. The food we eat is like 20% as nutritious as it used to be. So like, actually, if you look at our food a hundred years ago, it's 20% as nutritious as it is today. And that's all across the board and everything around us is demanding our need for more nutrition. So the Wi-Fi that's hitting me, hitting my body right now is actually disrupting critical cellular processes that need to be happening in our, my body that aren't because of the Wi-Fi signal. It demands your need for more nutrients. The screen that I'm staring at right now is demanding my need for more nutrients. The cell phone signal around us, the the, the fluorescent lights in our offices, um, the air that we breathe. I mean, there's just so many things that are demanding our need for nutrition and supplements are a great way to really live an op- an optimized life. Um, so I like to help people kind of think through that too. So if you go to that schedule and free strategy session, there's also an opportunity to engage with me for a free supplement plan. I'll oh, wow, one, cool. So I'll put one of those together for you. It's just another 15 minute call where I just ask you some questions about how you're feeling, uh, things that are going on. I know like you, for example, like feeling a little tired, little drained, a little bit of fatigue. So that would be like something I would ask you and try to kind of dig down on and, and put together a plan for you. And then I just extend my discounts that I get on supplements. I just extend that discount to whoever I connect with just to make it a little bit easier for them to get them. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I look, I look forward to talking to you about that sure. and get more specific into, into what's going on with me. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's, um, if you go to the bottom of my website too, you can, you can fill this, you know, I think maybe you, you just plug in your email address and that you'll get all my newsletters, which have links to my blogs. So I'm constantly putting out blogs that have really helpful information that I try not to over science. So just make it easy to read, easy to apply with action items on things you can do. So that's another easy way to just get some free, valuable information this next, I'm going to do a series of blog posts that are coming out. And I should mention it on this show because it, because you're a dad podcast, but it's going to be the five things that you can do to secure your family's health. And I'm super excited about it because I'm actually going to go over some very practical things you can do to make sure that you and your wife and your kids are healthy and that you're leading them in healthy habits. Because we learn a lot from our parents. I think we've already mentioned that on this podcast. 
one of the things that we learn from our parents is how to be healthy and more times than not how to be unhealthy. Hopefully it's going to be a helpful series of blog posts for guys to be able to start leading their family towards healthier habits. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. I really like that. Yep. Yeah. It seems like that's something that I haven't been the greatest at over my life and I've been much more intentional about it the last 10 years. And uh, it's been fun getting my body back in shape again and doing some of the races and my kids are uh, fired up. There's something called a mud factor run. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe a, oh, maybe a two and a half, three mile run, something like that. I think for the adults and I think the kids get to go a mile. But I told my daughter, my oldest, I said, hey, there's two girls. They're about the same age as you and your sister. I invited their dad and I'm trying to get them. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to join us. Nice. And my daughter says, are you kidding me? Why would you do that? <laughs> I said, well, why wouldn't I? Like we have friends, like we get to go with them. And she goes, well, that's more people to compete with. How am I going to win? <laughs> She's competitive, huh? Oh, like I love it at the age of eight. She is so competitive. That's so awesome. competitive. That's great. So just hearing you talk and everything, you've got just kind of a, a calm, soothing, confident, not cocky demeanor about you, kind of similar to me. And I was thinking about Philippians 4.8. So Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And so you mentioned in your morning routine, what you do. And in the evening, what you do, it's like the more that we think about those things, the less time we have that allows our mind and allow the devil to bring thoughts in that contradict with those things, the the ways of the world and everything. Yeah. I mean, you, you said it. I think one reason I don't call myself a coach too is because when we think about coach, we think about whistles and yelling and it's not my style. Never has been my style. The scripture talks about men being meek, M-E-E-K, meekness. And it's kind of like, what the heck is meekness? And some people think that meekness just means being timid. That's like not what it means at all. It means being calm, collected, controlled and ready to absolutely explode when the time is right. It's like the ability to harness the power of God in a very controlled motion and to know exactly when God wants you to use that. Um, That's what meekness is. It's not being timid. I agree a hundred percent. Like I'm so passionate about that. Yeah. And that's what Uh, I try to do. That's, that's how I try to, that's how I try to carry myself in my life and in my work with people is I try to have this meekness. And, and that means that I'm patient. I'm very patient just in general when I'm coaching people, but I have this ability to, to go when the time is right to go. So if the time is right to push somebody, I can push them, but I'm not a go, 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 go 100% of the time. Can you think of an example where that came into play? You don't have to disclose their name. I'm not asking oh, that, with a, but just with a client, maybe with a client or, or whatever was on your mind when you're talking about that. <laughs> no, I can absolutely think of something that a, a couple of instances, right. And, and I, and I, again, I won't go into crazy detail, but definitely times with clients where we always, we meet every month to establish some goals. And when, when I say goals, I don't mean these like check them off the box goals. These are a goal would never be lose 10 pounds this month. Never. You might want to lose 10 pounds this month, but let me help you 
set goals that build a system so that you can lose 10 pounds and then you can continue in that direction instead of just saying, great, I lost 10 pounds. You know, I could give you a couple bars and shakes to eat every day and you could lose 10 pounds, but what happens when you have to actually walk into the pizza parlor again? So, so yeah, I can think of some times where we've, we've set goals for people and I keep people accountable to these goals. And I ask, you know, and if you give me excuses, you know, a few times in a row, then, then that's when I go, you know, that's when I go, but you kind of have to learn the personalities of the people you're working with as well. So some people, some people really like to be pushed and want to be pushed and expect to be pushed. And, and some people don't. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So can you think of when you were maybe closing out a game, maybe it was the major leagues or maybe it was Baylor where that mindset came into play. Where I just was calm, calm, calm collected. I mean, or, or maybe where you had to become, I no, not really, not off the top of my head. I, I can think of some times where my adrenaline kind of was kicked into high gear. I was always very calm and collected when I pitched, you know, even in very high leverage, high pressure situations. It's kind of another, one of those things that my dad instilled in me is right. Never let your highs get too high and your lows get yep. too low. And he never wanted me to walk through life as a roller coaster. And so, you know, when I was on the mound, I was always expressionless and you don't see that as much in baseball anymore. There's a lot of emotion being thrown out on the field and I'm not, it's fine. It's kind of actually fun to watch. Right. I agree. Really, yeah, I agree. It, it is makes, fun to it watch makes, when you it see makes it. It, a, it makes it a little more entertaining, but we've got Yadier Molina here in St. Louis and he's just so fun to watch because he's yeah, just it's joyful and, and, and loves people are, the game. Yeah. People are having fun. And you know, when I pitched, you couldn't tell if I loved my job or hated my job. Cause I was just like expressionless, but that was just, that was just kind of how I cared about my business. But yeah, there was a, there's a few times where, you know, if there's like a brawl on the field, which I've been involved in a few of those, yeah, you kind of have to decide very quickly, is this something I'm going to participate in or is this something I'm not going to participate in? So, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Fighting is, you know, in general, it's not a great thing, but for the right cause, it's a great thing. You have to have use some discernment there. So did you get caught with a haymaker? Did you catch somebody with one? <laughs> I've probably been caught more than I've given out. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I don't, I don't like earlier today, that conversation I was having with another person. I'm like, he was like, I, I just don't like getting punched in the face. So I stay away from anything that that may happen at, yeah, you know, no. athletically. I've taken way more punches breaking up fights than anything else. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's something that we, we need to do as guys is we need to be aware and protect and when it's time to go, it's time to go and we need to be ready. So when that time comes, we do need to be ready so that we can make a decision as opposed to just sitting on the sidelines, watching it all happen, yeah, whatever absolutely. that is absolutely. In, in each area of life. So that's parenting that's in our, in our marriages and our faith life. When it's time to go, we, we need to be ready to go. We yeah. got to be prepared. We got to put the work in, do the practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before we sign off, have you got any tips for, for dads? And then if you have a, a challenge for dads, we always like to end out with a challenge also. How about this? My tip is to establish a morning routine for yourself if you don't have one already. And in that morning routine, incorporate scripture, incorporate prayer, incorporate some form of gratitude and just call it good, right? We could go on and on about morning routine, but if you're doing those three things, just for some, from reference, this retreat that I went on, uh, prayer is one of those things where I've kind of, I struggled sometimes because 
it's hard for me to sit and pray for a really long period of time. Mm-hmm. But one of these wise men who was, who was there told me to begin every day. First thing you do on your knees, like actually just get on your knees. There's something about that posture of being on your knees that does not distract you from the only thing that you should be doing, which is praying. And it doesn't last long. I mean, it may be 90 seconds is all I'm doing, but that's been a big difference maker for me is getting out of bed and getting right on my knees and spending, just spending a minute there. My challenge. You've got a special spot in your house where you, you set aside so that you can be uninterrupted and get into prayer life. And your kids Mm -hmm. have asked your wife, Hey, where's dad? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You, of course you're asking about this. So yeah, I, I've, there's a closet in my house and, and it's called dad's closet. And, uh, that's where I go to have my moment of solitude every morning. So, you know, solitude is another thing that dads don't get that's important, but it's another podcast in itself, but yeah, that's where I go every morning. So that's where my reading happens. That's where my breathing happens. That's where my uh, reflection and prayer time happens is, is in that closet and it's, I shut the door and it's just me. So yeah, it's such a great example for our kids. Cause they see that where's dad, what's he doing? And you know, it goes from there. So they, they are interested and they want to, they want to yeah. follow after us. So they ask a bunch of questions. It's a great teaching moment. I love it. Yeah. My challenge. Okay. My challenge for dads is to join my fasting community. That's it. Join my fasting community and actually take it seriously. My challenge is to take it seriously for two weeks and just see if you don't notice a big difference in your life. Absolutely. Well, I already signed up, so I'll actually activate it. I'll actually start doing it as opposed to paying attention to it. So, and I'll get your tips after we're done on a a couple of different questions. I specifically have short ones. Yeah. Guys, one way to help get into scripture that could be an easy way for you to do it inside the Journey of a Christian Dad Facebook community, we have a Bible devotional that we do. And it sounds uh, devotional, just sounds a little weak or whatever. Don't worry about the word. We can call it study if you want. And in that, there's some you know specific reading that we do, a couple of scriptures, takes maybe five minutes. And then guys literally type in whatever's on their heart, whatever they're going through life, and they really open up inside this Bible devotional. It's on a UVerse app right on your phone, real simple and easy to do. So if you're looking for a way to get started, you don't even have to type comments in if you don't want. However, you'll see real guys with real stuff going on that are not meek in the sense of weak and wimpy. These are real dudes that are strong. These guys are are doing big things in life and making big strides. And anyway, feel free to jump into the community and you'll be able to access the Bible devotional or Bible study. And it's totally free. It doesn't cost you any money at all, the group or the, or the study. So love the tip on the morning routine. That is so crucial for me. And the fasting, guys, I stayed away from it for such a long time because it seems like old or seems like it's difficult. It's not. It's really, really simple to do. So and it saves you a lot of money. It does save you a lot of money for sure. It saves you a lot of money. I mean, no joke. Just plug in how much you think you spend on a meal for just yourself and multiply that by, let's call it six. Okay. And then multiply that six by four and multiply that, that by 12. That's a lot of money. I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars a year. 
that you're going to save as you get healthier. It's like, it's kind of a no brainer. So Sean just challenges save thousands of dollars a year without really, well, not without harming your life with helping your life. So this will be something that helps your life and you save thousands of bucks. So what a, what a fantastic challenge. Yep. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time today. And so does our community, like just being able to hang out with you, bless my day and it'll bless my, my week and month and be one of the highlights of my year. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, Sean.